You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Uh, I am 24 and single, and um, very single, and it's, it's just a part of my life right now, and um, you know, there's parts of it that are great, and most of it's not, and um, but... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm so thankful and content. It's awesome. And, um, but I'm 24 and single. And if you're 24 and single or you're single, you probably notice that everyone is getting married all the time. It just feels like marriages and weddings are happening constantly. Uh, I can't get on Instagram without seeing another like classic, like the girl with her hand out. I don't know how they do it. I'm like embarrassed. I'm even trying to do it. But they have their hand out and have the ring, and they're like, she said yes. And I'm like, that's awesome. You know, good for her. And, um, you know, but... You see that every day, and so weddings are just happening all the time, and it's exciting. You know, I'm happy for people that are getting married. It's just so happy for them, and um, it's, it's an exciting time in their life. But what you don't see with a wedding is that all of the planning that goes into it and all the work that comes, and I've never planned one, but I've heard, and it seems very stressful, and um, because there's so much you have to do. You know, there's some key things you have to do. You have to pick a location big deal. You got to know where you're going to have the wedding. You don't want people going everywhere, all over the place. You know, um, you have to get the dress. The girl has, she has to say yes to the man and then yes to the dress. And that's another big Instagram thing. Like if you're not on Instagram, it's what's happening these days. And, um, and so anyways, that's just a, a big thing that's happening. They have to get the dress and then the guy's got to get the tux, but you really don't see much about that. Nobody's really that excited about it. And, um, but that's what's happening, and, and then possibly one of the most important things, besides the actual wedding and the covenant before the Lord and all of those things like that, is the invitation. you got to send out invitations, and that's because you want people to be there. Like, you actually want, I, at least I want people to be at my wedding because I want to dance and, you know, have people taking pictures of me and celebrating and just all of that. And it's a big deal for the bride, too, and, um, and so... <laughs> Uh, it's just it's just really important to have people there, but that takes invitations. And uh, you know, I've never sent invitations, but I can tell you, I love getting a good wedding invitation. There's for me, honestly, it's really not just about the wedding, but it's just the fact that I got invited. Like I love being invited places. I, I, it's been a, a theme in my life since I was a little kid. I love getting invited. I remember um, being like eight years old, and my favorite thing was just getting invited to go to somebody's house to spend the night. Maybe you remember that. Um, maybe I'm 24. I can remember eight pretty good right now, but uh, maybe you remember being a child or maybe you have kids and that's true for them that they love being invited um, places. Uh, but it's just so fun. And I remember the, one of the worst things was if you get invited somewhere and you can't go, like get, I, I loved being invited, but if I couldn't go, it was the worst thing ever. Like it ruined my week. There's not much at eight years old to stress you out, but like that would get me, you know, um, and so I, 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 if, you, if it happens to you enough, though, like, you start to get these loopholes. You know, you figure out the loopholes to get around it. To get around the parents, no, because you've got to find, like, you're not going to keep me from going to my friends. I've got to find a way. At least that's how I was. It was like, well, if they're going to say no, I'm going to find loopholes. And maybe you know some of these loopholes. Maybe, maybe you remember them. I actually have three loopholes here. I really thought about this this week. Um, and... But three of the loopholes, if, if you got invited somewhere and you couldn't, you know, your parents said no originally, you know. And if you were really smart, you started to pick up on the trend and you're like, I'm just going to implement the loophole before I even need it. You know, like I'm going to go ahead and put it in place. Now, let me get to these loopholes. So the first one, um, the loophole is you have to get your friend to ask for you. And so it's like, if I ask my parents to spend the night, they're going to say no. But if you ask, 
they're all in. You know, like they're going to say yes to you because they like you better than they like me. You know, like it doesn't make any sense. It's pretty messed up, but uh, it's, it's a real thought that went through my head a lot. And uh, and I had amazing parents, but when it came to that, it was just like, wow, this works. You know, and and so and then the second loophole, you know, if that one doesn't work, is you have to ask your mom. First, and if she says no, then you go to your dad, and you try to get him before they can talk. And it's terrible. Like, when you look back at it, it's like, this is totally, like, harmful to their marriage. You know, like, I'm trying to turn them against each other so I can go spend the night. You know, one night of bliss is worth, like, all these issues. They'll need a freedom group and, you know, all this stuff. And uh, <laughs> a small group for that. But, um, but it was worth, you know, you have to find the loopholes. And then the third thing um, that you had to do, I'm trying to remember what the third loophole was, was... I wrote them down because they're so important to me. Uh, so the third was if um, you were inviting someone over, like you were actually inviting them over, not you, she were getting invited, but you were inviting them over, and you did it with your friend in the room. Like you invited, you invited them over, you asked your parents with your friend in the room. That was the big one. And I always got in trouble afterwards. Like, you know, your parents going to say yes. They're not going to look at the kid and be like, absolutely not. He can't spend the night here. You know, because they want to be nice. But, um, but then after I get in trouble, but it's, again, it's just worth it. Like, it's these things you weigh in your head that are worth it. Um, and, and so that's how I thought when I was eight, and, um, which is, you know, it, it is what it is. But I just loved, I loved going to people's houses, and I loved being invited. Probably the worst thing, though, was when I would get invited somewhere, and I had to wait a week to go. Because as a kid, like, waiting a week is, like, the worst thing ever. Like, if your friend invites you next weekend, like, if I got invited next weekend to do something, you can forget everything happened in that week. You can forget school. You can forget, like, every bit of chores I have, whatever. Like, all I'm focused on is getting to that weekend. And I hated the wait in it. I just loved being invited places. I don't, I don't know about you. I think it's in the human nature to love to be invited to do things. And to feel included. That's why I love Matthew chapter 4 to bring it back to the Bible. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. It talks, it's this beautiful story. Jesus is just walking beside the Sea of Galilee. And he sees these two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they're casting their nets. They're fishing, doing what they normally do. Jesus walks along. And he extends this invitation to them. And I love this. And we're going to focus on this today. And I believe this word is from the Lord. It's simple. But I believe if we could live it. Man, it would change everything about our church. It would change things about your life. So Jesus extends this invitation to follow him and fish for people. And that's what I want to talk about because I believe that Jesus is extending the same invitation to all of us. I think it's not just a story in the Bible of what he did to Simon Peter uh, and Andrew, but it's something he wants for all of us. It is something that he desires for each of our lives. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then this is something that he wants for you. Um. But the thing is, we all know that. You know, that's, it's something that if you've been in church for a little while or when you sign up for the Christian journey, it's a given. Like, I need to reach out to people. You know, I'm a Christian. I need to tell them about Jesus. This is something I need to do. But also, if you're around long enough, you realize there's a lot of people that don't do it. And I've even noticed that in my life. It's a hard thing to do. And I started to ask myself why. You know, why is that something we deal with? Uh, so why is that such a part of the human thing? Because we are all so thankful for what Jesus did for us. And we're also aware of the need that people have in their lives. But for some reason, in our own lives, it can be so hard to live with this mindset of Jesus has invited me, and part of that invitation is to fish for people. It can be such a hard thing. And so I want to talk about that today. I think there's a few reasons. First of all, I think the first one is just fear. 
it can be so, such a terrifying thing to be that vulnerable. And it's because it is vulnerable. It's something that is so precious to you. And it's something that you, you want to know about. You want to do right by people when you talk to them about it. And I think that leads to the second thing is you just feel inadequate. You know, you can feel like, well, what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? You know, I was riding back um, from, I'm, I'm from Alabama. I flew to Alabama a few months ago to see my brother's, uh, him and his wife's gender reveal. That's another big thing happening right now. The gender reveals are incredible, so creative, you know. And he hit a golf ball. It was awesome. It exploded. Um, so it was amazing. But on the way back, I'm talking to this guy, this young guy. And honestly, as I'm sitting there, uh, it was a late flight. Flight got delayed, and it was like 11.30, come back, had church the next day. And so I knew I was getting up for church in. And um, this guy sits next to me, and I just feel the Lord say, like, and when I say for the Lord say, it was just this impression, like, you're going to talk to this guy. And I'm like, man, I really would just want to go to sleep, you know, <laughs> like, it's late. And um, so anyways, he sits down next to me. We begin to talk about the Lord, and, and he was somebody who just, he didn't know where he was. He didn't know where he stood on whether there was a God or, or, or what. And so we had an amazing talk, and I felt alive after it. But I remember the whole time feeling this, like, oh, gosh, please don't ask me something I don't know. Like, please do not say something I don't know. Like, Lord, please, God, like, fill me up. Teach me verses I've never heard before. Like, please, something. Like, just give me something, you know. And it was awesome. It was a great, great ride back, and the Holy Spirit was faithful in that. But when I really look at why we struggle, I think a lot of it is just because we're so focused on what's happening in our own life. And that's the temptation. I mean, for me, at least for me every day, the temptation is to look at me. What's going on in my life? What do I have happening? And then this is the really big one. It's I'm just trying to, like, take care of myself and actually get to heaven. You know, like, I'm trying to do this thing right. You know, and a lot of times I feel like I don't know, like, I don't know what's happening with everybody else. I'm just trying to do it, you know, and, and, and tell people about and, and, like, live my life for Jesus and get to heaven. And maybe you were like me. I, I grew up in a church that was an awesome church, but in some ways I was preached into, like, let's just hunker, hunker down and get to heaven. You know, like, life's hard. Let's just get there. And uh, we used to sing this song. <laughs> it, it was an awesome song. We talked about when we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that'll be. When we all see Jesus, uh, we'll sing and shout the victory. That's the words, Yeah. And I forgot him for a service. But it's, it was all about when we get to heaven, when we see Jesus, it's going to be amazing. And I love that song. And I think it is. And I think that's beautiful. I think we need to sing about that. We need to focus on that. We need to look ahead to the day that's coming when we stand before Jesus. And, you know, he, does, he wipes every tear from our eye. And death shall be no more. No more hurting. No more pain. No more crying. I think we need to look towards that. And who doesn't want to look towards that? Like, I want that in my own life, you know? I would like that today, you know? No more death, no more crying, no more pain, no more hurting. I love that, and that is heaven. But we sang that song, we all get to heaven. And the thing is, just all aren't going to get to heaven. I was thinking about it this week, and I know that's a heavy word, and I don't mean to be dark or grim, but I think it's important for us to remember and come back to this place where we realize that heaven and hell are realities, it is reality that every day there are people that don't know Jesus. There are people that, could, that are going to die today. And I know, that's, I know that's dark, but they're going to die today. And it's important in our own spirit, in our own hearts, that we realize there's people that are dying today, billions of people around the world that don't know Jesus. And as I thought about that more this week, it set on my heart because those are people that, you know, that's somebody's family. That's somebody's mom. That's somebody's dad, you know. It's a personal thing, and it can be so easy. I've been in church a long time to just put that number on it. Well, yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, that need to hear the, Lord, hear the word of the Lord. And, um, but we've got to come back to this personal place of we've got to reach people. 
We can't afford to live focused on ourselves, hunkered down till we get to heaven. We've got to have this spirit about us where we say, you know what? There could be one more. I've got to go after one more. I've got to live my life in such a way where people can know Jesus. And I love um, this verse because Jesus calls them to that. And it's not just that he invites them. It's what he invites them to. And he invites them to live this life of fishing for people. And I love that because it shows God's heart. It shows the Lord's heart for people. I want to read you some scripture just to prove this. I was, I was just thinking this week, like, man, God's heart is, is so for reaching people. I don't think we understand it sometimes. It's so for reaching people. I had a friend, just to make it personal, I had a friend a few months ago, and he was up one night praying for his son. And while he's praying for his son, his son was sick at like 3 in the morning, um, he hears the Lord say, go to Waffle House and tell them about Jesus. And he's like, that can't be the Lord. <laughs> like, you know, that's weird. And here's it again, and he goes. And um, I'm just telling you real stories about what it can look like in your life and the heart of God. He goes, and there's, there's only one guy, or just two people working there. One's asleep, because it's 3 a.m. And there's one guy, and he says, he walks in and he says, hey, this is going to sound weird. Tells him the story. I was praying for my son. I felt like God told me to come and tell you about Jesus. And the guy said, you've got to be kidding me. He's like, you're the third person this week that's come here and done this and said this. And I love that story. It's an awesome story. Those are incredible. We want those. But I love that story because it's the heart of God. Like, even while we're sleeping, God is going after people. And I want to read you some scripture that shows the heart. Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Luke 15.3. I love this story. If you read any of Luke 15, it's all about um, these parables. Jesus tells this parable, suppose one of you have a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Don't you leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, whoever would believe, would not perish, but would have eternal life. Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded to you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And then one of my favorite verses, which I think, I was just thinking about it again this week. I think this shows a beautiful picture of God's heart for reaching people. I urge, it's 1 Timothy 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. He wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And I know there's a lot that goes on with theology. People can argue what they want, but I can tell you this from Scripture, that the heart of God is for all to know Jesus. The heart of God is for all to be saved. The heart of God is to have relationship with Him. It's His heart for that to happen, and He wants us to do it with Him. And I want to make another point here, and this is probably my favorite thing in the whole message the Lord was speaking to me about this week. And 
One of the easiest things we can do when it comes to this message of getting the, you know, the gospel out to people is we can look at it from that same view of, I've just got to tell people about Jesus so they can get to heaven. Like, we've just got to get people to heaven. And that's amazing. We do. Like, it's, it's part of our mission is to tell people about Jesus so that they can be in heaven. But it's so much more than a destination. This whole life we're living, the reason we do this every Sunday, the reason you go to small groups, all of this, the heart of God is not just a destination. It is a relationship with Jesus. That's what it's about, not the destination. I believe it's what we've got to preach to people. It's what we've got to tell people every day. And the reason is this. There are people that need Jesus today. They don't just need Jesus in heaven. They need an answer today. They need salvation today. I need a Savior today. I don't know about you, but I need saving all the time from myself, from situations, from circumstances, from decisions. I need Jesus. People need Jesus. And I was laying in bed last night trying to go to sleep and get some rest, and uh, I really felt the Lord say something strongly. And he said, there's going to be people there tomorrow in church and in the lives of all the people that come to church, so your coworkers, your family. There's people this week that have been dealing with things for years that if they had a relationship with Jesus like you have, if they knew the Jesus you knew, it could be resolved in a month or a week or a day if they just knew the Jesus you knew. And that's why I think this message is so important. It's not just we've got to get out and evangelize so that people can get to heaven. That's beautiful, and we do, and it is the mission. But people need Jesus today. And we've got to be willing to extend who we know what we've experienced to other people. They need God. But Romans 10, 14, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? We play a part in this. I read Matthew chapter 28 just a minute ago. It's the Great Commission. And I've heard it said so many times, it's, we are coming alongside. It's a co-mission. We're on mission with Jesus to reach people. We've got to put this in our hearts as well, that we would be the people that reach out and actually live it and have this heart of God. And if there's a prayer, I could encourage you to pray. I prayed it a few years ago, and I saw God answer it. I saw my, my attitude towards lost people changed. The way I viewed life changed after praying this prayer. And I prayed it a lot. It wasn't just a moment. I prayed it a lot over a year. And I just prayed, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Please break my heart for what breaks yours. And that is a prayer he will answer. Because God is passionate, this burning passion in him to see the lost saved, to see children come home, to be a part of the family, to see people know their identity and their purpose, and to live in that each and every day, and to stop walking around the things that will never satisfy, and they'll never fill the void. He's passionate about it. And I tell you something else, there's nothing better than living with that passion inside of you. It gives you a purpose and helps you see things differently than you ever did. So how do we do it? That's the, that's the question. I think it's so much more than just, well, you just go tell people. I think it's about how you live your life. and I believe that you can see it in Matthew chapter 4. We can just do the same things the disciples did. They left their nets. You've got to leave your nets. And it's symbolic, in my, in my opinion, it's symbolic of leaving what's comfortable. They had to leave the old things behind. And it is uncomfortable. I mean, I, I was uncomfortable that night on the plane. Uh, I, I just wanted to sleep, honestly. And so many times the things of comfort can get in the way. And I understand that 
There's time for rest. There's time for everything like that. But we've got to be people that step outside of our comfort zone. My mom and dad had this saying that got on my nerves growing up. It was the worst. And I have amazing parents, everybody. I, know, I, don't, I hope I didn't paint them in the wrong light. They're amazing. Um, but they would, always say this, they would always say this phrase. It was rule number one. And it was just, it's not about me. We had to say that. And any time me and my brother would complain, they'd say, what's rule number one? And you had to say, it's not about me. And it was terrible in the moment. But it put this thing in me to like live my life for something bigger than myself. And make decisions in a way that affects other people. You know, because whether you like it or not, your life affects people. And the way you live affects people. It has a purpose. Everything you do has a purpose on it. Or at least it can if you choose to live this way. But you're going to have to leave comfort behind. You're going to have to leave the things behind that you're used to. The things that you're used to feeling. And step out and make it about others. It's so countercultural to live a life that says it's not about me. That's just not the way... The world is. I don't know if it ever was like that, but it's definitely not like that now. It's all about what's going on in my life. It's all about, but if you could, and that's why I love, I love our dream team because I love the fact that people are willing to step out and serve and say, it's not all about me. You know, I'm going to come to church and worship, but I'm also going to serve people. And I love that. And I honor our dream team for doing that. But I want us to live a life like that where we step out and say, you know what? I've got the answer. I've got the answer, and I'm willing to step out and tell you, even if it's praying for you at work, praying for a coworker at work, just really practical. You know, I, I, it's, I've started to challenge myself now where if somebody needs prayer for something or I feel like they need prayer for something, just pray for them on the spot. I learned that from Will and Jamie Riddle. It's just don't say I'm going to pray for you. Pray for them on the spot, and it is uncomfortable, but I've seen it. The Holy Spirit meet me there in that, stepping out in that, and really help people a lot. So I just want to challenge you. I, I really want to challenge our church to be like this. And number two, follow Jesus. Very simple, but I think what it means is so important. And to me, to follow someone means I'm not in charge anymore. They've taken control. They're in charge of my life. He is Lord. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of my life. It means he's in charge, and it means that I live like him. So for him to be in charge means things have to change in me. And I just, I know it might be old-fashioned, but I believe we got to live different to make a difference. I don't think you can look exactly like the world and make a difference. I think we have to live in a way where we have a life about us and a joy about us and a hope about us that people want to know what we have. And I believe that's so important for us. But I believe it's so much more. It is so much more than just what you do and what you don't do. I love holiness because it means to be set apart from the world. And, but so many times we just make it about do's and don'ts. And that's important. I believe what you do and don't do is important. What you watch, what you listen to, all of that's important. We believe that around here, that, that it's important to live a life set apart for Jesus. And I believe that's a blessing, actually, not just something you have to do. And, but it's more than that. It's more than just what you do and what you don't do. It's about who you are and how you live. It's the way you see people. And Jesus did everything in love because he was love. And Bob Goff says it this way, our default as Christians should just be to do everything in love. It should be to give people the benefit of the doubt. It should be to speak in love. It should be to step out and say, I've got an answer for the thing you're going for. So many times it can be easy to step back in this world and just say, well, I want to love people, so I'm not going to say anything. Or, No, love steps out. Love speaks up. Love presses in. When somebody says they're fine and you know they're not fine, those are all moments where the Holy Spirit can work in someone's life just because you care. I've seen people's lives. I've seen my coworkers. I've seen things change just because I cared. 
hadn't even talked about Jesus yet. I just loved because when you love, you're showing Jesus and it opens up the conversation. And so I believe that we have to be the people that leave everything that's uncomfortable. And we choose to be people that live in love. Jesus said in John chapter 13, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Then he said in Mark chapter 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. This is the second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And I love that because Jesus came and he gave these commandments. But when you think about it, a commandment to love, it doesn't even feel like an order. It's just, I want to live like that. I want to live in love. I want to be a person that loves people. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. And I think that that's how we're going to become a church that reaches people. We're doing a great job. God's doing incredible things in this church. I mean, incredible. I did not think when I moved here two years ago that where we are now is where we would have been in two years. We're not even two years old as a church yet. We're seeing people touched every week. We're seeing people saved. We just saw, you heard the numbers at Bold Conference. We're seeing people saved. We're seeing people healed at prayer meetings. We're seeing marriages restored. We're seeing God, things only God can do. But I believe what 1 Corinthians 13 says, the greatest thing we can do is love. If everything else passes away, if we could love people the way Jesus did and be those people that in everything I do and say, my filter is love, my default is love, what would that look like? What kind of church would we build in? What would Kansas City look like? What would your family look like if you were a person that decided to live in love and live like Jesus. I think we could change this city. I really do. And I love that about our church and I love that about our pastor. We're passionate and we still believe childlike faith. God is going to do something incredible in this city and in this church. I believe it wholeheartedly. But we have to take it on. And I'm praying today that you get an impartation from the Lord of being a person that you just, everything I do, I fish for people. Everything I do, I reach people. Because that's the heart of God, and it's going to be my heart too. And you're going to have to fight for it. It's not human nature. But as you fight for it, your choices are going to lead, and the feelings are going to follow. And you're going to see what God's going to do. You're going to see the way he's going to change your heart. And you're going to see the way he changes people's heart. And then one day we're going to stand before the Lord. Stand before Jesus. And say, look at all these people that I brought with me. And there is reward. Our God is a reward God. And so my prayer for us today, if you are a follower of Jesus, is simply this. We're going to a wedding one day. Revelation chapter 19 talks about it, the wedding of the Lamb. And if you follow Jesus, he paid for you to be at that wedding. It's going to be incredible. I think there will be Chick-fil-A there. Um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be, be really great. But I want us to be a people that bring others with us to that wedding. That live lives where we look towards eternity, but we also look towards right now and say, people need Jesus and they need to know him. You can't live without him. And then if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I just want to say this very simply. You are invited. You are invited to a relationship with the living God who created you, knit you together in your mother's womb, 
has a plan for your life, who looks at you with nothing but love, desires nothing for you but to live with purpose, to know his plans for your life, to know your identity, to be set in a family, that is the God we serve. And he will pursue you until the day you die. But if you're here today, I believe you're here for a reason. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to pray for you and lead you in a simple prayer. It's really simple. You're not making some agreement, anything like that. You're stepping into a relationship with God and you're accepting what he did for you on the cross. It was a real event that really happened, that really changed the things in this world. And it'll change things in your life. It's powerful. I just want to lead you in this prayer. Very simply, you can say it out loud. You can say it to yourself. The important part is just that you mean it. Say it to the Lord like he's standing in front of you. Say, Jesus, save me. Be the Lord of my life. I know I've sinned, God. I know I'm a sinner. You know I'm a sinner, God. But I receive your forgiveness that is free. Lord, I pray you would take my sins away. And Jesus, I want today to start a relationship with you where you were leading the way. I give my life to you, Jesus. I receive everything you did for me, Lord. And I invite you in. Show me how to live. Show me what abundant life looks like. Set me free from the things that have trapped me already. And Lord, I just pray for every person that just prayed that, prayed that prayer. Holy Spirit, I pray you just begin to work on their heart right now, Lord. God, help them to know, Lord, with the assurance that comes from your Holy Spirit that they are saved now and begin a relationship with you. And Father, I just pray for every person in this room, Lord. God, I pray for an impartation from you, Lord, to see people the way you see them, to love people the way you love them. God, to hear your voice for people and step out and say what you're saying. Lord, I pray we would live this today, Jesus. In your name. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radiant Church, please click Give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radiant Church? Check out radiantintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast.